This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings and welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd with His Excellency Archbishop Alexander Sample. And today, because we had so much fun in our last recording, I decided we'd keep Monsignor <laughs> O'Connor around, our rector for St. Mary Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception here in the Archdiocese of Portland and Oregon. Thank you both for being here today. Not a problem. Thank it's you. Great to be here with you again. We're going to continue our discussion looking at some of the things happening during this month of June, the month of the Sacred Heart we spoke of earlier during last week's program. And as we begin, Archbishop, would you please yes. lead us in <clears throat> prayer? In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, you are indeed the source of every blessing under heaven. You are the source of life. Each one of us comes from your creative hand, created in your own wonderful image and likeness, and loved infinitely by you. We ask you to be with us during this broadcast as we reflect on the dignity of all of your children. Help us to open our hearts to the message of life and to uphold and honor and revere the dignity of every human life and every human person. So we ask you to open the hearts and minds of our listeners to your message for them as we place this time in your hands, as always, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Will Mary conceive without sin? Pray Pray for for us who have have recourse to to thee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Well, June 24th will mark a one-year anniversary, this decision by the Supreme Court, the Dobbs decision, Mm -hmm. we call it. I just was looking at the Committee of Pro-Life Activities statement that came out through the USCCB, you know, recognizing this is a day to celebrate, but also a reminder that we continue to work on behalf of life and the various issues. And so, yes, while we celebrate a joyous victory, I was looking at statistics. Oregon was the fir- one of the first states, 1969, that began very heavy abortion law, mm. and it's continued mm. to this day. And so there's a lot of work on each state yes. against life, some that are very for life issues. But I thought today to talk a little bit about where we go from here, and maybe from both of your perspectives. I know Monsignor has come from Massachusetts before you came here to the Archdiocese of Portland. You've seen some progress along the last 50 years since uh, 1973, with the marches, with all of the promotion, supporting women, our children, our families. Um, And maybe just give us a little opening of this, looking at why we as a church really work towards the dignity yes, of Yes, and, and, and don't forget, Monsieur, that, ac- that, that, that accent is, is not a, a Massachusetts accent That's either. Right. He also has experience <laughs> across the pond uh, in, in England. Um, <laughs> 
But um, well, I think you know, uh, Dean Marie. First of all, I think you you point you frame it correctly, and, and as the bishops have, I think yeah, this is a celebration. We should be celebrating this victory for life because it was a victory because it removed this sort of federal uh, national protection uh, for those who are pro-abortion and 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 upholding that as a right to to terminate the life of a preborn child for no cause, really, you know, on demand, as we say. But the battle goes on. And and I think what people need to always remember, and maybe the anniversary is a good time to, to be reminded of that, all the Dobbs decision did was de- revert this, this question back to the states. Uh, you know, with the Roe v. Wade decision, uh, a right to privacy was, was recognized that included you know, a, a right that a woman had to, to abortion uh, throughout the country. Um, the Dobbs decision basically found that there is no constitutional, you know, uh, right to that, and that this is a state's decision. So this goes back to the states now, and that's where, that's where the battle needs to, to now be waged. And it is a battle, you know, there's just no doubt about it. This is a spiritual warfare in defense of human life. Uh, and, it's, and it's not a warfare against women. Mm-mm. It's not a, a, a warfare against their dignity and their rights. This is, this is a spiritual warfare against uh, attacks on the most innocent and vulnerable of all forms of life, the preborn child. And here we are. You know, we live in this state, which is one of the most aggressive in abortion rights uh, across the country. You know, sadly, and this was the kind of because I remember a year ago when the Dobbs decision came down. Of course, there was all this alarm in in pro-abortion circles, if you will. But I, I don't know if you noticed this, but in in the state of Oregon, it didn't really make a huge no. splash because I think everybody realized, ah, this is Oregon. This is Oregon. We'll you know, we're never gonna we're never gonna have to worry about our abortion rights being yeah. taken away. And in fact, recent moves have sought to be even more aggressive. I mean, it's like Oregon, sadly, is is striving to be the most radically pro-abortion, abortion rights uh, states in in the whole country. Right. So, the, so, the, so the battle now is, is on the state level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What have you seen, Monsignor? Because you do have a different perspective coming from outside the country, London, then mm. on the wet East Coast, and now here. Differences, similarities. Yeah, I, you know, growing up, I'm sorry to say this: the abortion thing was not a political thing as such. It didn't. Um, it wasn't in the forefront of anybody's political agenda. It sort of just crept in, and we didn't know much about it. And the pro-life movement in England uh, wasn't as influential. It was. It was really when I came to America that you you understood what was going on, mm. and there, there was much more uh, activity. In, uh, in the pro-life movement here in the United States. I'm um, not saying it didn't exist in England, but it was certainly at the for- not forefront, but it was very prominent here. Uh, I, uh, again, back in Massachusetts, uh, one of the things we did every year, we always took a bus of kids to the March for Life in Washington, mm-hmm. um, something uh, which I think is a very important thing to do to witness. And, uh, you know, in, in, in those times, you when you go and you take, you know, we take 30 kids and 20 adults or something on a bus, and um, when you get to Washington, then this this whole sort of you know activity, when you just realise that the you know the the pro life movement is a young movement, you know, the kids are are into this sort of stuff. The, you know, it's a it, very encouraging to see that. And those for those years that we went year after year and nothing changed, 
yes, there's some discouragement, but at the end of the day, as we've seen from Dobbs, there is movement and there is progress and the Lord answers prayers in his time and things. So, you know, we've got to work all, all that into it as well. There is some encouragement here in the movement and we've seen it in small and we see it every day. I mean, you see it in Portland here, you know, one of our abortion clinics closed down mm -hmm. after a lot of prayer and effort mm -hmm. here. So, um, yeah, so I think that's one thing is that we've got to, you know, realize that it's still an ongoing thing and a lot of prayer is needed. And a lot of prayers needed. There's the work that's done, the laws, the different things that are happening on a local, statewide, and national level. But I think more the importance is changing the heart. Because, again, what will vote? The heart votes. The heart votes for this or for that. How is our heart conditioned to, to life? And so where are we working on changing the hearts of one individual, communities of individuals? It seems like that's where a lot of our effort needs to continue to be in changing those hearts so that our laws can change mm -hmm. yeah. and reflect a dignity for well, all I, I, life. I think you're exactly right because, you know, if we frame this completely as a political issue, which, it, I mean, you know, there's no denying the fact that, that, that it is a political <clears throat> issue because <clears throat> whatever – um, uh, efforts are made to to protect uh, the dignity of every human life is going to have to be fought, if you will, in the political arena. But it, it isn't fundamentally fundamentally a political issue. It's it's a, it's a moral issue. It is a human rights issue, really. It's 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 the most fundamental issue, the issue of life. You know, a lot of people. You know, we hear this all the time in, in this in this debate that rages nationally. Is oh. You know, you hear things like, well, pro-lifers, you know, only care about the child until they're born and then they don't care about them afterwards. And, you know, people that would rather focus on the quote unquote social justice issues of the day, you know, whether it's racial justice or social justice in forms of access to health care, education, civil rights, economic justice, all of those things, which are all very important. <laughs> they're all part of Catholic social teaching. Uh, so it's not like the church has nothing to say about these things. But all of these rights stand upon the foundation of the most fundamental right, which is the right to life, the right to exist, the right for an unborn child to see the light of day. I mean, I've said this before, you can't talk about access to health care for children who aren't allowed to be born. You can't talk about the access and the right to an education uh, to a child that, that, that never is allowed to come into the world. You can't talk about economic justice uh, for, for the child who, who doesn't get to see the light of day. So, you know, this is the most fundamental issue. So you're right. It, it's about changing hearts. I think it's a lot of it is about education. I think, quite honestly, I think some of the medical advancements that we've seen in, in recent decades, even since the Roe v. Wade decision, some of the technologies that we have now to know what is happening inside the womb mm -hmm. as a child grows and develops, you know, uh, the, the, you know, beyond the ultrasound, but, you know, these three-dimensional ultrasounds and things that we have that you, you, you see the child. And so I think for once people see uh, an unborn child in the womb, it's, it's hard to say that that's just a blob of tissue yeah, anymore. Of tissue, yeah. You know, and that's yeah. what, that was always the line. Uh, oh, yeah. it's not a human being. It's, it's just tissue. It's da, 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 da. No, when you see <laughs> a preborn child sucking his or her thumb mm -hmm. or, or yawning, uh, uh, in the womb. And when you, when you, when you hear the heartbeat, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. 
so it, it really, I think we have to educate people. We have to, we have to change hearts. And I'm very encouraged because I think the younger generation, quite honestly, is much more in tune to this than, 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 you know, my generation, quite honestly. Um, you know, a lot of times at, at, at respect life, pro-life rallies, you know, you'll, you'll see, well, you used to be, you know, we are the pro-life generation. You know, that would be the young people would be holding signs. We are the pro-life generation. Now they're calling themselves, we are the post-row right. uh, generation. I think that I think the ball is going to be carried largely uh, by our, our zealous young people who who get it, who understand uh, the need to protect the most. You see, if we won't respect and defend the life of the most vulnerable, the most fragile of all life, if we won't respect that, I don't know why anybody's surprised mm-hmm. that there's so much violence in society. You know why we have all of this these attacks on human life all over the place. It's kind of a natural consequence, isn't it? Yeah. There's a need for justice, but also of compassion and of love, of healing. We've talked so much over the course of this last year about the healing, because I think there is a lot of wounded souls Mm. that get lured into the dark, the evil, and the lies and deceit that comes on all of these different forefronts. But there's an attack on marriage. How many times... Pope St. John Paul II, I think, really recognized it, that as the culture goes, so the family goes. So as the family goes, the culture. As the family goes, goes, the culture. culture. And our family has disintegrated. Mom's not at home. Is there a dad present? Is there a father figure present? And I thought maybe as we look at this issue of life, to look at what's happening to our families, the sacrament of marriage is a sacrament in the Catholic Church. We look at the sacrament of holy matrimony as something so valuable. Yeah. And there's an attack on that through things that are really, uh, such as abortion, such as euthanasia, go down the list. Monsignor? I've got to put a plug in here now for someone. Uh, this is a photojournalist. There's actually a video journalist now called Mark Leeta. And uh, he is a non-believer. Uh, but he has spent the last 10 years of his life interviewing uh, various strata of the population, specifically Los Angeles, Skid Row, and things like that. Fascinating 20-minute interviews with everybody from drug dealers to homeless people to transgender people to uh, sex workers, any you know, whatever. And uh, he's literally spent years and years, and he's tried to help a lot of people, and he basically doesn't know how. He's fascinating things. Um, and basically what he says is, as I say, he's a non-believer. He doesn't believe in God as such. And he says, everything I've seen over the last 10 years where I interviewed everybody on the streets of Los Angeles, of this, that, and the other, whatever, he says, the problem is the disintegration of the family. Mm. And the, the secular culture sees this, yeah. right? And this is why he says the people on the, you know, most of the people on the on the streets you ask them, I do, at the cathedral. I, I, when I talk to them, I'll say, hey, have you got any family around to talk to? Isn't someone can help you? No. It's, they've gone. They've got no family. They've got no extended family. And uh, Mark Laeta says that this is the problem. And he says, we can throw as, as much money as we like as the, as the, to the ills of society. But until we start investing mm-hmm. in the family again, it's going to do no good. 
And I honestly agree with him. And I mean, you know, so we as Catholics have a sort of bigger view of this, of why it's happened, of course. And we can go back to Humanae Vitae by Paul VI oh, yeah. and see see all this, because this is, a, you know, a knock-on effect of that. The, the family doesn't, you know. Um, but it's funny because now secular society is saying mm-hmm. things like this, but non-believers sort of saying, I've studied this for 10 years and I'm, I'm coming to the conclusion it's the family that is the problem. Uh, sorry, you know, the disintegration is the right. problem. Well, I think, I think too, Monsignor, I, that's a great point. Uh, I'm going to have to look this up. Yeah, oh, it's, I, it's series is called Soft White Underbelly, and it's available on YouTube. Yeah, well, we, should, we should all look at that. I'm certainly going to look at it. I think, you know, there, there's a lot of folks in the, in, in, the, in the culture today, a lot of people out there today who, who, who think we've really quite made advancements in, in human relationships, you know, that we've had great progress, you know, and wow, we've just really gone beyond all of those constraints and sort of old-fashioned or restrictive ways of looking at, at, at the human person, the human family, human sexuality. Um, we're free from the shackles of, of the past and everything. And they celebrate that. They, they think this is great progress. And, uh, you know, we live in a progressive society and we're no longer bound by these you know, uh, sort of conventions of family and fatherhood and motherhood and, and, and family life and children. And I mean, my gosh, they're taking away the rights of parents with regard to their own children now. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's part of what's going on here in Oregon, you know, yeah. in, in the legislature, trying to take away parental rights for things like abortion mm-hmm. and, and even transgender surgeries and the like. But, but, the, but, but it's like this, there's a celebration of, Oh, we're in such a much better place now because we've thrown off the shackles, and sometimes those explicitly call out religious values. Oh, yeah. And is, yet, you look at the evidence, yeah. <laughs> as as, as this really fellow's pointing out. Yeah. Yeah. You look it's at the evidence, and it has taken a tremendous toll on people. I don't think I, I'm sorry. This is simply God's design for the human person. Is that a, a stable, loving home. I mean, you know, come on, no family's perfect, <laughs> but but the ideal of a, of a of a a stable, loving home, a stable marriage, in which children are brought into this world and where they are nurtured and loved, with 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 security, stability. Uh, that is the proper environment in which a child should be nurtured and raised. And when that happens. That that young person has a much better shot at at, at happiness in life than you know all this uh, you know broken families and I mean you look at the divorce rate and and again trage- divorce is a tragedy so any folks who've experienced that in, in their lives I, it's not a it's not a judgment but I mean if you look at just the overall rise the explosion really in the divorce rate and and the impact that that has on especially on children mm-hmm. uh, is is it can't be denied. Uh, motherhood and fatherhood are, are are just not esteemed as they used to be. In fact, they're kind of mocked. I mean, I, know, especially fatherhood. Especially fatherhood. Yeah, you you know, you look in the right culture, yeah. in, in pop culture, if you will, whether it's television, whether mm-hmm. it's movies, mm-hmm. so often the father is portrayed as just adult. Yep. He's an idiot. Yep. He's stupid. He doesn't know what he's doing. You know, what, a, what, a, what an image, you know, to project. So I, th- I think this... I would call it a spiritual attack on the family is 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 really part of the enemy's strategy uh for uh, the 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 attack on on God in in our, in our culture. And I think if 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 we could get 
back to the importance of stable family life, instead of trying to redefine marriage, instead of trying to celebrate situations mm-hmm. where children don't grow up in a stable, loving home with a father and a mother. You know, and, and I think, you know, a lot of, of good, sound, solid psychology points out that a father figure in the home, and this is, this is you know, I, I'm a huge honorer of, of motherhood. You know, motherhood is like, that's golden. That's 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 just something to be held up and, and revered. But I, I think there's evidence that that the role of a father in the family uh, dynamic is very important, both for boys and girls growing mm-hmm. up. Boys need to be affirmed in who they are by their father, by a father figure who who imparts to them and affirms them in their in their identity as a beloved son, as well as the daughter you know, needs the affirmation of a father to understand who she is. And I think that's why we have so much confusion, you know, in the world today about roles and gender and and all of this other stuff. And of course, mothers, you know, uh, the nurturing uh, of of a mother, there's nothing like it. I mean, you know, um, my mother, God rest her soul, I'm eternally grateful to her. You know, she nourished me in in so many ways that my father wasn't able to, obviously. And, you know, really much of my faith, I I, I attribute really to the intervention and the the influence of my mom. Yeah. So I I think this is, this is just the, what Monsignor was saying that even the, even secular folks that don't hold to our religious views and values are recognizing just how destructive this Mm -hmm. has been. And we're reaping the, the fruit of it and it's bad fruit all over society. Yeah, the consequences are huge. And I think as we look at Father's Day this month, an opportunity for us to look at affirming, life-affirming men. Uh, We had the year of St. Joseph. I think about that time that we spent in the church to look at the protector of the church, the defender of the family. You know, that role that St. Joseph plays, that's the role of the husband, the father, in our culture, in our family, and have we missed that? Mm. Where are we missing that? And where can we continue to build that up? You know, the sad church? thing is, Dina Marie, is I'm sitting here listening to you say that. The sad thing is I can hear voices ridiculing everything you just said, denying everything you just said. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's that's the problem. Right. I, I think one of the things is, is that we do not look at this from a, a supernatural point of view. And we've got to, as believers, always have that in our sight, you know. And I'm always reminded uh, when we talk about this of uh, St. Therese of Avila when she says, let nothing disturb you, let nothing frighten you. All things are passing. God never changes. Is God a fickle God? Did he decide it was going to be Adam and Eve and then he's going to change his mind in the 21st century? Was the God of the Middle Ages a different God than we have now? Does God make one rule for one and one for another no of course not so we look at what we know about god of what is revealed to us and we understand that this is we're making our own god in this in this environment and it's a very dangerous thing you've just defined your own god you've you've walked away from what he has revealed over the you know the over the centuries uh, millennium so i think that's very important you know god never changes he's not it's not going to be giving us some sort of fickle hoops to jump through in one era and then a different set in another era as though we're doing some sort of uh, you know field day at school this is you know it's it's this is this is the lord revealing himself to us and he's re- revealed this to us certainly in creation 
of, uh, of man and woman. Mm-hmm. And I think we've got to remember all that, look at it from the supernatural mm-hmm. point, not from the current culture and not this attitude of people who said to me, oh, come on, it's Portland 2023. Has the Lord decided he's completely changed the rules because it's Portland? And, and does he do that by geography? It's different for Portland. And um, we're going to leave Boston. Uh, Boston's going to be different. Yeah. Well, I've been, I've been, I've been no. saying, oh, I guess, I guess truth now is determined by zip code. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's just not. It's foolish. Right. You know, you know, to, to pick up on that point, you know, I, I love that emphasis, Monsignor, on the supernatural view that that we as believers have to have to take with regard to this. You know, and God reveals this all to us in Scripture mm-hmm. and in the sacred tradition of the Church, and really. I, I, heard, I heard a commentator recently in a program um, just talking on the whole issue of the transgenderism that, you know, what everybody, uh, you know, of course, putting it in terms of, you know, millennia <laughs> uh, uh, of, of, of human experience, you know, you basically put it this way, well, you know, up until 15 seconds ago, everybody agreed uh, as as to these things and the essential nature of the human person. And then all of a sudden in 2023... Uh, literally thousands, if not millions, of years of human experience are suddenly out the window, and uh, you know none of that. None of that is true anymore. You know what is true? What is written in the human heart, created in the image and likeness of God, is is true now and always. Jesus Christ, as He said, is I. You know, you know, G- or Saint Paul said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, and uh, we need to hold fast to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah. way, the truth, mm-hmm. and the life. And let's yeah. continue to go to Christ and to have that courage and to have that strength to to be the truth, to be Christ in the world today. Monsignor, thanks for joining us once again. Appreciate you being here. I just want to remind our listeners, there will be given out through the Divine Worship Office a Celebrate Life Novena. We'll be praying it in the month of June, but I want to encourage people to get a hold of the Archdiocese for a copy of this. We're going to have it available on the Hail Mary Media app soon, but uh, thank you for your work and for Robin Mooney and the community here to make this beautiful novena to help us have a vehicle to pray have that devotional life to grow in the church. So thank you for that, Monsignor. You're welcome. And with that, Archbishop, please help us close with your blessing. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of you, your families and loved ones, and be with you this day and forever. Amen. 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 And thank you all for joining us today on The Voice of the Shepherd. We invite you to join us again next week for Archbishop Alexander Sample and Monsignor O'Connor. I'm Dina Marie Hale. Until our next encounter, may God bless you. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.